I never dreamed how much I would actually enjoy podcasting. When it was first suggested to me, I'll be honest, I was a bit intimidated by the thought. But when I found Anchor, I quickly realized how easy this was going to be. Anchor provides me with the tools to record and edit right within their program. I don't need additional software. I didn't even need to know how to distribute the podcast because they do it all for me. I would not be where I am today as a podcaster without Anchor. It's all you need and completely free. If you are looking to get started, download the Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started. Grasping covert narcissism is like trying to grasp the wind. It's here one minute and just gone the next. You know, one day you can think you've got a really good grasp on it and you've got a handle on all of this. And the next day it's like that just doesn't even exist anymore. And you're right back to questioning yourself and wondering, you know, am I right here? Am I seeing things wrong? All of this. And, and this just creates this world of confusion in many victims, and it causes victims to just continue that cycle. We slip back into that cycle. We think we've got it, and we think we're, you know, we understand, and then we're right back into blaming ourselves once again. Because of this, I am adding a Wednesday podcast that is a midweek check-in. We're going to try this for a few weeks and see how it goes. It's a brief review of key elements that we need to keep present in our minds. My goal here is to help you keep clarity on how you are feeling, why you are feeling that way, what is going on in your world, and to help you stay on that path of healing. Like I said, so many victims get on it and then they fall back and they get on it and they fall back. And my goal is to help you to stay on that path of healing, to keep your thoughts uh, straight and clear. So today's episode is an inside look of four specific issues. Covert narcissism and hypersensitivity, a thousand bee stings, we've talked about that before, why it's so hard to explain covert narcissism to others, and why covert narcissists seem so genuine. I'm Renee Swanson, your host of the Covert Narcissism Podcast. Let's dig into today's episode. The first topic is covert narcissism and hypersensitivity. Narcissistic people are so sensitive to anything that could possibly be taken as a criticism. Anything that slightly resembles dissatisfaction or unhappiness with them. And it can be things that, you know, you're, you're totally shocked that this has upset the other person, such as closing the bathroom door when you go to the bathroom or talking on the phone to someone else. Like you are allowed to have that time, but they can take that as criticism. Um, not laughing at one of their jokes or one of their comments, you know, that's such a, a, a hit to their heart. Uh, even sitting with girlfriends at a church social or any other kind of event, just because I go sit with my girlfriends and don't sit with him, then all of a sudden that is uh, an, an attack to him, a criticism of him. And they are extremely sensitive. Well, overt narcissists, the sensitivity comes out more aggressively anger, rage, violence, hitting, throwing things, threatening. They control you by fear and intimidation. But the covert narcissist is not like that. They still have all that hypersensitivity. They still think, you know, how dare you tell me or suggest or show me that I'm anything less than perfect. That is all still there, but it comes out a little differently. With a covert narcissist, it comes out as depression gloominess. They're sulking in the corner. They make this big show of how much you have hurt them. They control you by your own guilt, 
and and blame. They're blaming you for for the pain that they're feeling. And your you know your desire to be a good person and a compassionate person plays right into that, because you desire you know to be that compassionate person when something such as closing the bathroom door has hurt their feelings and made them feel rejected by you. Then your desire is to make that right. And so you become the one apologizing, even though, you know, their reaction to you closing the bathroom door doesn't match the crime that's really not a crime. You close the bathroom door, you're allowed to close the bathroom door, but, but the, you feel responsible for their bad feeling, their hurt. So overt narcissists, these people are there, when you're with an overt narcissist, the victims are afraid to leave. It's a fear. But with covert narcissists, people feel responsible to stay. They feel like, you know, it's my job to make sure that, that they feel better about themselves. Maybe you're afraid they'll commit suicide, all of this. And so you stay for years and decades because, you know, maybe you're not convinced that they mean to harm you or you're convinced that you can help them and that building them up is your job. You feel that their hurt is your fault. And so it's your job to make things right. Uh, all of this, I just have to keep trying to help them. So people will stay in a relationship with a covert narcissist for decades uh, for, for all of these reasons. The next topic I want to get into is a thousand bee stings. This so much explains why covert narcissism is so hard to explain to people who don't get it. So the covert narcissists, they are a master of subtleness. Their attacks are not outright. They're not, you know, in your face. They're not as they're not aggressive. You might get some mixture. You might get some of those moments of rage and anger that, that are more overt. But the covert abuse is not that. It's, it's more, you know, making you feel stupid, worthless, miserable, despicable, but, but it's so subtle. And it's so subtle that they can even justify it. You know, I was just kidding or, or I didn't mean to say it that way or whatever these things that they say, but they really do. And, and they, you know that because it continues over and over and over and they can explain it away and make it sound trivial and make it sound like you're making a big deal out of nothing. Well, that's where I kind of, I, I relate this to a bee sting. If you get stung by a bee, okay, it's no big deal unless you're allergic, that would be different, but it just stung by a bee. It's no big deal. Yes, it hurts, but you know, it's, it's no big deal over the course of a lifetime. Most people are going to be stung by a bee once or twice. And you don't even necessarily remember that. But imagine if you're getting stung every single day of your life, even multiple times a day for years and years. For those who have lived with a covert narcissist, this is what I'm talking about. You're not being stung by a bee. It's not one thing. It is over and over and over, sometimes hourly. I mean, sometimes by the minute. And it's unbearable. You know, imagine this, this scenario, you get stung by a bee and you tell your friend about it and you might get a kind of a moment of sympathy from them where they're like, oh man, that, that stinks. Are you okay? And yeah, I'm okay. And you move on. It would be small and short-lived. Later that day, let's say you get stung again and you tell your friend and she'd be like, wow, twice in one day, well, that, that kind of stinks. But you know, are you, again, are you okay? The sympathy would be small and life would move on. Now, a couple days later, the cycle repeats itself. And your friend, maybe they've, you know, been stung by a bee before, maybe not. They're already kind of maybe tired of hearing about it. Like you get stung again and you're like, I got stung again. And maybe even they kind of don't believe you. Uh, they want to talk about things other than bees. But as this continues, you're going to become obsessed by these bees. 
Like you're going to be terrified. You're looking around every corner. You're afraid to walk outside because you've been stung. You know, at this point, you're a month in, you've been stung 30 times or more. And at the same time, though, your friend is annoyed by it. They think you're a little crazy and they, you know, seems like this is something that maybe you should just overlook it, move on, maybe because they don't really know how to help you. Uh, maybe because they think, you know, maybe you're making this up, but, but they're not going to understand what you are going through. Your friend, you know, they may try to convince you even that the bees are little and that a bee sting, well, it doesn't hurt that much. You just get over it. They might tell you you're imagining it because no one gets stung by bees that often. Or they might point out the great things that bees do. You know, that when they make honey and they pollinate flowers. So leave those poor bees alone. You don't want to hear any of this, though. After being stung, you know, by for years by these bees, you want to extinguish every bee on the face of the earth. You're done. This is like dealing with a covert narcissist. The stings might seem small and insignificant, especially in this world of violence that we live in. But, you know, you're going to hear from others that, that you're seeing things wrong or that your perception is off or that these little individual events with your covert narcissist are so small, they're going to seem trivial, they're going to seem petty. But you're looking at this whole picture, but it's happening over and over and over. And you might even agree, you know what? Okay, that you're right. That was kind of trivial. Maybe I'm making a big deal out of nothing. And this is where victims get trapped. You're being told it's not really that big of a deal. And they say, well, why are you so upset about that? That's kind of small. You're Maybe you're overreacting. They'll, I mean, you, you might even hear them say, well, that's nothing. Let me tell you about what happened to me. And they might have a bigger event of something that is going on that all of a sudden yours, you know, seems small. They seem trivial. This is crazy making though. In the bee situation, you would think you're losing your mind being stung every day. Like I said, you want to exterminate every bee that exists. You'd stop going outside. You'd constantly be looking and, and this would consume your mind. It's incredibly frustrating to try to keep explaining this to people who don't believe you or don't validate your feelings. Whether people believe you or not, you would eventually have to take it upon yourself to try to figure out why the bees are stinging you. Why are they attracted to me? Why are they mad at me? Where are they coming from? What can I... And, and this is what covert victims of covert narcissism will go through and they explore and they study and they research and they, they start getting some validation and they go, oh my gosh, yes, this finally makes sense. And, and they've been being stung all these times, but they're so desperate for validation. I assure you that you are not losing your mind, your frustrations, your confusion, your hurt. It's all real. You have a reason to feel the way you do. You have a reason to be searching for answers. You have a hurt soul that needs to be healed and that pain is real. Do not let anyone, anyone try to minimize what you are going through. They will. Don't let them. Don't. You just walk away. You find the validation and the support you need from the groups, from the Facebook group, from my group sessions that I run, any of that from Patreon. Get in there and get the support that you need. Now, the third issue I'm going to deal with today is why is it so hard to explain covert narcissism to other people? And this goes hand in hand with what we were just talking about with the bee stings. It sounds petty and trivial. When I was trying to explain it to someone, I even thought as the words were coming out of my mouth, boy, this, this sounds trivial. 
This sounds like, you know, like something that I shouldn't even be talking about. Like when I told him that he had toothpaste on his mouth and he blew up in my face and I was like walking away going, what the heck just happened? And I'm trying to explain this to a friend and I'm like, I'm talking about because I told him he had toothpaste on his mouth. Yes, it sounds trivial. Yes, it does. And honestly, it should be. It should be. Every healthy relationship has these little moments of, you know, somebody got their feelings hurt and somebody snapped. But the problem is in a healthy relationship, people come back and they reconcile. People come back and go, hey, I don't know what I was doing. I'm sorry I kind of snapped at you. And, and the other side gives forgiveness and it's gone. It disappears. But that's not the case with a covert narcissist. There is no reconciliation. There is no, it disappears. The, you know, you can come back later and go, Hey, why did you snap at me like that? I didn't snap at you. And you're, you're remembering that wrong. And then all the gaslighting starts. So you never reach that moment of reconciliation. You know, victims might say, well, he got mad at me when I woke him up because he overslept. Well, that happens in lots of relationships. Victims might say, you know, he got mad at me for not waking him up when he overslept. You know, you're kind of in a no-win situation. He fussed at me because dinner was a little late. He complained at me because of a, you know, a one-time special lunch with our son that, that I had that cost too much money. Or he was with me in the store and he put the items I wanted back on the shelf. All of this can sound so trivial because it is, it should be. You know, I can't hug him the right way. I don't kiss him the right way. He always wants to show me how to do it better. He's always trying to teach me a lesson. All of this to people who have never experienced covert narcissistic abuse, all of this sounds so minor because it sounds like a single standalone event, but it isn't. You know, these people you're trying to explain it to, they're going to say things like, well, everyone gets mad occasionally. Or they might say, you're mad about that. I wish that was the biggest concern I had. Just tell him you're sorry and move on. You know, it can't be that bad. Look at the gift he just gave you and this wonderful card he wrote. Or they might even say, just let him be angry then. Who cares? What they don't see, though, is that you are being slowly erased. Your own feelings your own uh, thoughts, your own humanness is just, you're being invalidated every day. You're being told and shown and communicated that you don't matter. Every single conversation with this covert narcissist is painful and challenging. And they don't see that. They don't see how much it hurts when you try to do what he says or he wants, only to be told you're wrong yet again only for the target to move. You know, the goal of whatever you're after constantly moves. And so you're constantly trying to find it. They don't see the countless hours and the enormous amounts of energy that you are putting in trying to appease him and never succeeding. They don't see that you carry all the blame for all of this and that reconciliation never happens. Again, in non-toxic relationships, partners get mad at each other, disagreements happen, anger happens, and that's what a lot of people are used to in our world. Both sides accept the blame and both sides come back. They reconcile. They take some ownership of the issue at hand. They, they both have some give, you know, we're going to give a little bit so the other person has room to, to validate how they feel and we're going to give some back. People who have give in their own relationships, they expect that other people do too. But they don't understand that you don't have that with a covert narcissist. There is no give. 
There is no reconciliation. There is no moving on. So all these little trivial, petty things, they build up. They build up and they build up and they build up. And where do they build up? They build up inside of you. They don't build up inside of the covert narcissist. You know, they, they, to them, it's like nothing ever happened. You can have this horrible day with them where you can't do anything wrong and they're mad at you all day long and you are feeling horrible. And the very next day, it's like it didn't happen. It's like it just disappeared. It's like, it's like magic. I just went away, which only adds even more to your own frustration. Again, in a healthy relationship, people reconcile, which means there's, there's ownership on both sides. But you can come back to try to take some of that ownership. But from your, the covert narcissist perspective, it's like it never even happened. It just disappeared. The, the last issue I want to talk about today is covert narcissists can seem so genuine. Why? Why do they seem so genuine? You know, I hear so many victims say things like, I don't think he means to harm me. I don't think he knows what he's actually doing. If he could just see it, I, I do believe he would stop. And I know these feelings because I lived them. I was convinced he, he's, he's a good person. He's a wonderful person. And, and I can't, you know, I can't leave that. I have to fix this. I have to help him. How can I leave when, when he doesn't even realize that he's hurting me? These were thoughts that I had. These were feelings that I had. And they kept me in that relationship potentially for far too long. Why do they seem so genuine and so real when they clearly are not? Covert narcissists often believe that they are truly compassionate and caring people. I know my ex did. He was convinced that he was a compassionate person. And anytime I tried to talk to him about how he did not communicate with us, uh, with compassion towards us, he would get so mad at me that, you know, don't you dare tell me I'm not a compassionate person. And I heard that again and again. And I'm like, okay, listen to what I'm saying though. Listen to how you've hurt me. Listen to how you've hurt my boys, our boys. Listen to the way you've communicated, you know? And, and I would try, I tried every angle under the sun, but he's not going to hear it. He's not going to see it. He's not going to, you know, he was more in love with the idea of being a compassionate person than actually being a compassionate person. He loves the idea. I, of course I'm a compassionate person. And, and his desire to be a compassionate person was genuine. He desired that. That's why it comes across as being so genuine. But his ability to do so, okay, that's a whole other story. Yes, the desire is there, but it's just an idea to him. It's, it's in his head. It's not an actual thing that he is then capable of accomplishing. He was more in love with the idea of being a good dad than actually being one. He wanted to be a good dad. I don't doubt that. But he didn't have a clue how to take that desire and transfer it into reality. He was more in love with the idea of helping around the house than actually doing it. And I think in his mind, he truly believed that he did help around the house. But he, he gamed for hours and hours and hours every single day. I did all the work around the house. Every now and then he'd do a little. But he, in his mind, thought he did, you know, so much help around the work. Again, around the house, he loved the idea that he was helping around the house, but he didn't know how to actually make that reality. This applies to the compassion as well. Like I've said, he was more in love with the idea of being a compassionate person than actually being one. So covert narcissists, yes, they can seem so genuine. They can talk the talk, 
They can convince anybody that they are a compassionate person, a good person, a good dad, a good husband, a good mom. They, they can do this. And this is part of what makes covert narcissists so incredibly difficult to spot. There are so many people who leave an, a relationship with an overt narcissist and find themselves in the second relationship with a covert narcissist. I hope that this helps to keep you some clarity in your mind, to keep you on that path of healing. We're going to be doing these midweek check-ins for a little while, for about maybe three weeks, three or four weeks. I want to know what you think of them. So let me know. Um, hit the like button if these are podcasts that you like, and we're going to keep doing these, these little snidbits of, of just to keep you know keep you on track of what you're doing and in your growth process. So let me know what you think, and I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing. Thank you.